Well, good morning, church. It's Pam here, um, leading through the service today. Um, I just wanted to read a scripture and do a little chat on that, and then I will then hand over to the worship time. Um, How joyful are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. How joyful is the man the Lord will never charge with sin. That's found in the book of Romans, chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. And um, I just was reading this verse today. And if you're having a rough day or a rough week or whatever, just to read those scriptures, you know, there's always, always something to be thankful for. Um, And... I read those scriptures and, you know, it's just amazing, isn't it? We never, ever have to worry um, that we're going to be punished for the things we've done in the past. If if we've said sorry, you know, they're dealt with. It doesn't give us a license to do what we want um, or sin intentionally. But, you know, God is gracious and merciful and forgiving and we can have that um, you know, that, that forgiveness there, um, we're covered and, um, we have that relationship with him and it's just a wonderful, wonderful, you know, to always have that in our heads. If no matter what, what's in life, what's happening, you know, we are forgiven, we are saved, we're heaven bound. We have a relationship with a, an amazing God and it's just a good thing to remind ourselves of the blessings that we have as followers of Jesus. So, Father, we just give this service to you. Um, Lord, we welcome you here. Even though we know you're here, we welcome you here um, into our um, homes, um, into the Zoom meeting. Um, Lord, we just praise you for who you are. Praise you for what you mean to each one of us. Praise you for what you've done in our lives, Lord, for forgiveness of sin, that you pour grace and mercy on us every day of our lives, um, that we can walk in confidence knowing um, that we are loved by you, forgiven by you, and have a place in heaven for all of eternity, Lord. May we never take that lightly or take it for granted and always be thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So now, enter into worship. Uh, Lovely to be together to um, enjoy worship with each other.
Oh Lord my God 
Sweet. 
So we are going through the book of John as a church, so I will be handing it over to Chris, and I'll just pray before he preaches. Father, we thank you for um, the word of God that we have access to, and or the, the you know, we can look at it, study it, read it every day. Um, Lord, may we not take that for granted, Lord. And as Chris opens up the book of John today, Father, I just pray that you would anoint him. Um, that he would bring out of what you you want him to say, um, that you would fill his mouth, um, and that we would have hearts that would receive um, what you want us to learn today. Father, may we take away um, that and apply it um, to our lives in change or whatever, you know, whatever is the right thing for us to do, Lord. We pray that we're open to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Chris. Well, good morning, church. It's great to be with you again. We're in John chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 1 through 16. I've titled this message, Rise and Shine, Part 1. John chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay ill, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is ill. When he heard this, Jesus said, This illness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. I know that's a really strange place to stop. Um, 
sort of like watching the first half of a film or the first half of a football match and stopping right there and and then uh seeing the second half a week later but there's so much there's so much in this whole story that I want to do it justice and um I know that time will become an issue I I was too long last week and I'm I'm just going to try a bit better and also I'm pretty sure that there won't be anyone listening that doesn't already know um that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead so sorry if that's a spoiler for anyone um I remember when England were in their last world cup qualifier and I was working and couldn't watch it so I was going to watch it on the iPlayer later and a friend came over to the house and I said whatever whatever don't say anything about the England match because I haven't I, I don't know the result I haven't watched it but I'm looking forward to it and then about an hour later we were talking about some negative stuff and he said well at least we've got the World Cup to look forward to <laughs> I just thought, oh man. So anyway, if you're the only person on the planet that doesn't know Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, then I'm sorry, really sorry. I think I just spoiled it. There's three phrases that I'm going to lift down and form the outline. And uh, the first one is, the one you love is sick. When, um, when the sisters say to Jesus, the one you love is sick. And then the next one is when Lazarus, uh, when Jesus says, uh, Lazarus has fallen asleep. And then the last one is when Thomas <laughs> says, let us also go. And uh, I think that's probably my favorite part. But the one you love is sick. And the word for love there is phileo. Um, it's brotherly love. It's the way you feel about your best friend. It's the way you feel about your family or should feel about your family. And we know that Jesus' family, his um, siblings at least, didn't believe uh, until later on after the resurrection. You know, they thought he'd lost it. You know, there were times they wanted to just, the Bible says, take charge over him. So uh, the truth is Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they really were like Jesus' family. Um, when he wasn't up in Galilee or somewhere else, when he was in this area uh, of Jerusalem, that's where he stayed. Um, that was his home, home sweet home. Uh, Bethany, the house of figs, it even sounds pleasant. Two miles southeast of Jerusalem uh, on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. Now, Jesus, we know, loved Jerusalem. He was brought up like any Jewish child, praying for the peace of Jerusalem. We know that, you know, he, he, he wept over it. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you like a mother hen gathers her chicks. Jesus loved Jerusalem, but Jerusalem didn't love Jesus. At least the part of Jerusalem that represented Judaism, the religious leaders of their faith, uh, Jerusalem was a very stressful place for Jesus. Uh, it, was a, it was very hostile. I mean, we read earlier, but Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And are you going back? When, when Jesus was in Jerusalem, he was doing his father's will. And he loved, he loved Jerusalem. But it, for him also, it was a very stressful place, a very hostile place. But Jesus could leave. Uh, at the end of the day, he could go out the eastern gate and across the Kidron Valley and up the Mount of Olives, and it was a two-mile walk to home, the home of Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Jesus, 
home. If any house uh, you would think had, had an, a guardian angels all around it, it would be this house. If any house was under the blessing of God, it would be this house. But to this house, tragedy comes. And we can take comfort, not in other people's tragedy, but we can take comfort in our own illness when it comes or hard times come or tragedy comes. Uh, our souls can rest with the assurance that we are loved by Jesus. Just because this is happening, I am still the one that Jesus loves. So the sisters sent word the one you love is sick, that word would have been on foot. Jesus at this time was on the other side of the Jordan River where uh, John was baptizing in the early days. It's actually in modern day Jordan, so it was some distance for this messenger to go, um, and it would have been on foot. And, and, and he gets there and he gives Jesus the message, and Jesus' reply to the messenger, and obviously everyone else there, is that this illness will not end in death. He goes on to say, no, it's for God's glory. So, no doubt the messenger has delivered the message to Jesus, and now he's going to return to where he came from with that message. This illness will not end in death. And they, the sisters were no doubt relieved. Maybe they heard the part after it, you know, uh, it's, for, it's for God's glory, uh, that God's Son will be glorified. Uh, but he, even if they heard that, they, they, he still said this illness will not end in death. And uh, no doubt they took comfort. And we're looking forward to watching Lazarus get better. But he didn't get better. He got worse. And Jesus didn't come to the one he loves. The one he loves died. It was in the mid-90s uh, when the minister of the URC was Andrew and uh, his beautiful wife Jill. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry for telling the same stories to people again and again, but l we've got lots of new people, lots of new listeners. Um, Jill had cancer and she had beat it, or so we thought. Um, and then it returned. She gave birth to a, a beautiful little girl, and they thought that had something to do with the cancer coming back. I, I don't know. But anyway, when it came back, it, it, it came back with a vengeance. And um, Pam and I, we were very close to Andrew and Jill. You know, I've, I've been friends with all of the other ministry ministers all, all of these years, but th this was a special relationship. We went on holiday together, so obviously that just gives you some idea uh, how close we were. And uh, Pam, in her readings, uh, her regular Bible readings, was, was right here. Uh, I think we were on holiday, and she was in John 11, you know, and she read these same words, this illness will not end in death. Now, Pam hears from God uh, often. My wife hears from the Lord um, time and time again. And obviously all our thoughts were with Jill and she read these words and she was she was encouraged by them and shared them with us. And as soon as she did, I looked at Andrew, uh, he looked at me, I looked at Jill, she looked at me, they looked at each other. Because we knew the passage and we knew in the passage 
what Jesus was really saying. And uh, a couple of months later, Jill died. And it, it hurt. It, it really, really hurt. But the, the amazing thing is, I think the count was 17. 17 people came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, were born into God's kingdom, and received a place in heaven through Jill's illness, testimony, death, and funeral. And one of them was the night nurse who just, Jill was no longer conscious. This was her last night, the night that she passed away. All we know, the nurse went up the stairs, uh, an unbeliever, and came down the stairs, a believer. And the next morning when I went to to, to see Andrew and, um, you know, share my love, uh, I asked him if I could go upstairs and, you know, because she was, her body was still there. And the presence of God, folks, you know, it, it was an amazing experience. And this was just her empty body. Jill wasn't even there anymore. There was just, I don't know, traces of glory in the room and on her. But it, it hurt. It hurt. The one you love is sick. And Jesus did love, love Lazarus. And we can take great assurance when we go through very difficult times that we are still the one that Jesus loves. Our church is doing okay through COVID so far. Uh, obviously, we're feeling all of the effects that everyone else is. We've had one man, a precious member of our church, his daughter's husband's father, passed away uh, because of COVID, and it was legitimately a, a COVID death. Lots of people, you know, lots of people die of other causes, but if they have COVID, it goes, you know, it goes down as a COVID death. But this death, actually, it really was a COVID death, and it was, it was horrible, um, just horrible. Uh, but that was a man's daughter's husband's father. We haven't had anyone directly in our fellowship to go through this. We've, we've got frontline workers, um, and one we, we know has had it. Um, she was pretty much well through it. We've got others who are pretty sure that they had it in the early stages, but weren't all that unwell, but had the symptoms. Uh, we've got teachers who now are in a very, they're frontline themselves now. Um, and we've got vulnerable people. And I myself, I was locked down uh, in India for, for four months. My flight, my flight back, I don't want to take too much sermon time, but I was wedged in between two people. And uh, one of them, she didn't, she could speak English, but she didn't want to. She made, she made it clear. You know, I've got my, my mask on. I've got my shield on. She's, she's got all that. The other guy next to me, he just took everything off. He didn't have anything on. And he was like coughing half the flight, you know. And I'm in this airplane, you know, coming from India back. Um, I, I tested negative, by the way, for COVID. Positive for lice. <laughs> negative for COVID. So we've been, we've been safe but we all know that we're not exempt. You know, our trust, my trust is in God. See, it would be easy to think, well, 
you know, we, we've got God's protection over us. We're the family of God. We're the house of God. Just like it would have been easy to think that um, about the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You know, we've been safe, but we all know that we're not exempt. I guess I'm, I'm also at the place where Job was. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. My prayer is that, you know, our church family will will come through this without uh, tragedy to any member of our immediate families. And my belief is that our church will come through this without that kind of tragedy in any of our church families. That's my prayer. That's my belief. My trust is in God. But, you know, Job said whatever happens you know my hope is in him so my trust is in God my responsibility is to to do all I can and we are doing that we are meeting again on Sunday mornings there are freestanding shields all the way across the front of the church where the singers and the speakers are completely shielded off from everyone else uh, everyone else uh, is two meters from the person or bubble next to them in all directions. Everybody hand sanitizes, everybody wears a mask, uh, except uh, if you medically can't. Um, you know, this is what it's like. Uh, we've got 26 people coming this morning. Uh, the, the service is shorter. At the same time, we've got the full service on the web and on the Zoom and all of that. You know, my, my trust is in God. My responsibility is to do the right things. Uh, back to the passage we're looking at. You know, in, in, in verse 3, the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love, phileo, love, is ill. When they speak, in verse 5, when the Holy Spirit speaks, it says, now Jesus loved Agape, Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. Their word was phileo, the Holy Spirit's word was actually the love Jesus has for this family is divine. It's divine. And I think, you know, we will, we will never, I don't, I don't know that we will ever entirely grasp the depth of divine love. But it just shows us that God loves us more than we're probably capable of understanding the depth of it. You know, they wanted healing. Jesus wanted resurrection. And I myself have been privileged through the years to have been part of, uh, used by God in, in divine healing. Um, some more remarkable than others, some absolutely undeniable, you know, God has done this. And in preparation for this, I was looking back uh, over that and it wasn't pleasant because over half of the people that I know were divinely healed by God are, to my knowledge today, no longer walking with God. They wanted healing. Jesus wanted resurrection. The second phrase is, Lazarus has fallen asleep. <laughs> and they thought, well, that's good. So he just told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. You know, we're body, soul, and spirit. The biblical word for death 
means separation. The word of God is able to divide. The body it goes into the earth from which it originally came. The spirit or life or breath returns to God who is the author and finisher. And the soul, the, the, the person, uh, is judged by God. And uh, that word judgment obviously is scary, but it simply means decision. God makes a decision uh, about the destiny of the person, but you know we understand that that decision is actually made by the person uh, because God has given us all free will. Uh, but what's the state? What's the state of the soul after death? Where is the soul after death? And I'm going to just use scriptures uh, for this because obviously I don't have personal experience. Uh, I know that at the time of Lazarus, the answer to that question would be different than the answer of that question today um, because of the cross and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. It says in Hebrews 2 that Jesus shared in our humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Destroy him who holds the power of death. So ultimately God is in control, yet Satan held the power of death and men lived in fear. And souls went to the realm of the dead. In the Hebrew the word is Sheol, in Greek Hades. Um, it's translated as hell over and over in the King James Bible and that's quite misleading because we read the word hell and we think that's Gehenna, the word that Jesus uses um, to describe um, this lake of fire. Um, the actual word Sheol and Hades, it just meant the grave, the realm of the dead, the place where souls went to. Now Old Testament believers were, were filled with hope. Um, Moses himself regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. We know that um, Job also said, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. David said in Psalm 139, If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. The depths below the earth, uh, the grave. And David uh, was an amazing thought, really. Um, knowing that even in Sheol, even in the grave, even in the, the place of soul, where souls go, Jesus would be there. God would be there. And God obviously isn't going to be in hell. Uh, hell is actually the absence of God, to be shut out from God. So the, this is the Old Testament believers. They had faith. And yet they always spoke of, of it as going down. Uh, in Psalm 6, the psalmist says, No one remembers you when he is dead who praises you from the grave. In Psalm 116, the cords of death entangled me, the anguish of the grave came upon me. Um, so the, the, the rule is pre-Christ, the soul after death before Jesus, the body went into the earth, the spirit returned to God, the soul went to the Sheol or Hades, the prison house of death. The, in Job, Job 7, it says, As the cloud vanishes and is gone, so he who goes down to the grave does not return.
that's the rule and of course there's like most rules exceptions uh, there are people that were raised back to life before Jesus and by Jesus and after Jesus but they were raised to life only to die again uh, another exception would be people who didn't experience death like Enoch and Elijah and then there's that special case of, of Samuel um, Saul used the witch of Ender to raise Samuel from Sheol and um, yeah he, uh, the woman said I see a spirit coming out of the ground Saul asked, what does he look like? She said, an old man wearing a robe is coming up. Uh, then Saul knew it was Samuel and bowed down and prostrated himself to the ground. And Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Now, um, yeah, that's, obviously that raises the question, how does a spiritualist using Satan's power raise the soul of Samuel, who is God's child? but remember this is before the cross and the resurrection of Jesus but it, Samuel was at peace why have you disturbed me David knew that even in the grave uh, God's presence would be with him you know Job, Job said why did I not perish at birth for now I would be lying down in peace I would be asleep and at rest so don't think for one moment that Old Testament believers were in a bad place or suffering um, or that God wasn't there. David said, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. But Jesus came and he suffered death. He tasted death for everyone. He, he committed his spirit into his father's hands and he gave up his spirit. So uh, he too went through this process. His body went into a tomb. He, he, his spirit was committed to the Father. Uh, his soul, well, people can talk about this. I, I believe in 1 Peter 3. It's not crystal clear, but it does say Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom he also went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago spirits in prison this prison house of death that I mentioned earlier um, I, when it says you know he preached the word is not um, the word that we use for evangelize uh, it was proclaim the word meant he, he made a proclamation Jesus went into this realm of death and he made a proclamation and God always said that he would do this uh, in Isaiah 61 the spirit of the living uh, of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners God foretold that Jesus would do this. Jesus defeated Satan's hold on the prison house of death. It says in Colossians 2, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That was his triumph. That was his proclamation. In Revelation uh, 1, he says, Jesus says, I am the living one. I once was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death 
and Hades. As a matter of fact, we have that very strange passage in Matthew 27. Uh, At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went to the holy city and appeared to many people. (laughs) Sometimes I just, you know, I'm glad that's there, but it does you know, just create all kinds of kind of questions and what was that like. Um, I think Jesus took them to a new place in Ephesians 4. It says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. And um, let's call this new place, let's call it what Jesus called it. Um, Luke 23, then he said, Jesus, remember me. The thief said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. So the place that Jesus was going to take that thief to, uh, Jesus called paradise. And um, the actual word, I mean, our minds, you know, go, my mind runs wild with the word paradise, but it was a a very wealthy man, a ruler, a very wealthy man. It would be like what we would call our back garden. It was the enclosure where the the vines were and the trees were, probably some water. It It was his beautiful garden. It was his paradise. So basically, there, there were two thieves that, that died alongside of him. One, one was a sinner, and he cursed Jesus, and he died lost. So his body, I don't know what they did with it, his spirit uh, returned to God, and his soul is in the prison house of death, Hades. Another one sinned and also cursed Jesus, but he repented and he came to Jesus. So he died saved. Don't know what happened to his body. His spirit returned to the Lord. His soul is in a place called paradise. Uh, He may have been in Hades, but if he was there, it was a very short while because Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. So I believe that's how it is today. The, the souls of the dead are in one place or the other. It's not the final state, which we'll, we'll see in a moment. And I don't, I don't believe it can be altered. Um, I know that you know the, new, the early church, they, they prayed for the dead. I understand they were baptized for the dead. I know that in the Catholic Church, they are encouraged to pray for the dead, that branch of Christendom. Um, I don't, I don't believe it can be altered, but I would absolutely love to be wrong. I would much rather be wrong. So, back to the, to the people that, you know, our loved ones, ourselves. Paul said, um, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on in this body, this will mean fruitful labor. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. In Second Corinthians 5, he says, Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I'll be safe. I'll be comforted. I'll be in God's presence. I'll be free of... Uh, everything that's tragic and hard and painful about this life. Will I be conscious? I, yeah, I, I think so, but others think otherwise, and I can understand that. 
Uh, in Acts 7, while they were stoning Stephen, uh, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. 1 Corinthians 15, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, Jesus, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Uh, nine times in the New Testament, uh, after the resurrection of Jesus, it still refers to death, you know, as, as sleep. So I, I think conscious, but I'm not going to, you know argue over sleep. I, as a matter of fact, I, I kind of like sleep. <laughs> my, my Pam's the sleep police in my house, you know, every morning she's like, how do you do it? You slept 11 hours last night. Well, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Um, in any case, it's not, it's not the final state because, you know, all of creation is waiting for the return of Christ. Uh, in Daniel 12, what beautiful words to hear from the Lord. God said uh, to Daniel, as for you, go your way till the end, you will rest. And at the end of days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. You know, when when will he arise? At, at his death? Mm. At the resurrection of Jesus? Mm. At the end of days. tells us in Hebrews 11 after it talks about all the great men and women of God who you know died in faith the, these were all commended it says for their faith yet none of them received what had been promised God planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect you know when Jesus receives his bride uh, it's going to be his complete bride. He's not going to get his bride, uh, you know, one one piece at a time. So, you know, the, the people that we love, uh, that are God's children, that have passed through this process called death, their bodies are wherever we have laid them, wherever we have scattered them, their souls are in paradise, uh, waiting for the resurrection. Uh, waiting for the return uh, of Christ. Uh, next week, when we get when we finish the chapter, um, just peek into it. Verse twenty-three: Jesus said to her, "Your brother will rise again." Martha answered, "I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day." So you see, they they were disciples physically of Jesus. They had Jesus's teaching with them. And it's clear what they believed. So Lazarus, Lazarus is asleep. Lazarus uh, is dead. Which makes my next phrase that I'll wind down with even more astounding. When a disciple says, well, let's go with Jesus to Jerusalem where they're going to kill him. So we can all die with him. <laughs> and that disciple was Thomas. Thomas also known as twin, said to every, the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. And I, I, I just am hooked on that. I, I'd have been thinking what they were thinking. You know, I don't want to go back to Jerusalem. You know, it feels so good every time we walk out. <laughs> they, they hate you. They're going to kill you. You know, they're going to, are they going to kill us with you? Probably, you know. 
Bethany's two miles from from this place, you know, and uh, where they were at the time uh, across the Jordan was actually under the jurisdiction of a different Herod. Uh, it was the rulers of Jerusalem had no authority there. They were safe where they were, you know. They they don't want to go back, but they would have for Lazarus. But now he's dead. So what's the point? Now Thomas is going to struggle later on to believe that he's that he's alive again. But I tell you what, he wasn't struggling this day. He was ready to die with Jesus. This is before the cross and resurrection. He hadn't even read the rest of this chapter yet. I I just find that amazing, and I'll turn that statement into a question, and I'll wind down my message with this: Are you ready to go with Jesus? Are you ready? to go with Jesus. Now, real quick before you answer, uh, I'll just read something from Ecclesiastes 5. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. Now, just read that and then ask, are you ready to go with Jesus? I guess, you know, you could put a clause in your answer, yes, if. <laughs> if it's on holiday to a nice place, you know, if it's to Geno's for a nice coffee or Oasis for a nice breakfast, <laughs> yes, if. Um, but that doesn't fit the context of this passage, you know. It was somewhere they didn't want to go. And it doesn't fit the context of discipleship either. Are you ready to go with Jesus? What if he wants to go with you on a missions trip? Somewhere it's hard. Somewhere it's ugly. Somewhere it's not entirely safe. Somewhere you're going to see things that are going to disturb you. I was, I was talking with a teacher at, at Brockington on Wednesday. The, the assembly went really well, uh, I think. And uh, we had time to talk, and he was telling me that at the school he taught at before, he took a group of students on a faith-based trip. He didn't call it a missions trip, but it was faith-based, to Zambia. And he watched his students cry. And uh, the beautiful thing he told me was that two of the students, this was like four or five years ago, two of the students have gone back every year under their own steam. They've raised their own money, and they've gone back. It's, it's, it's life-changing. What if Jesus says, you know, this is where I want to go. What if Jesus wants you to go to a grieving family, which is the context of this as well. You know, grief means loss. It can be loss of life. That's the greatest grief. It could be loss of job, loss of health. There's a lot of grief around us. Maybe you don't have the answers, but maybe it isn't even answers they need. Maybe it's you. You and Jesus. What if Jesus wants to go with you to the bank and set up something consistent for giving? Giving has been a part of worship since day one. What if, what if Jesus wants to go with you? What if he wants you to come with him to the person you have wronged? 
and humble yourself. Humble yourselves. You know, with Jesus at your side, humble yourself. What if, what if Jesus wants you to come with him to the person that you feel is wronged you? <laughs> you know, they, they, they may not see it that way. They may see it completely the other way, but it's how you feel. And it's driven this wedge. Jesus says, you know where I want to go today? Are you ready to go with Jesus? What if Jesus wants you to come with him to your neighbor's house? Uh, or your friend that's outside of the church? And, and just say, you know, I've never, I've never invited you to church. And it's a really awkward time now. But it is open, and you can wear a mask. Maybe nobody will even know. You can sneak in. Well, yeah, you got to do the COVID form. guess you can't sneak in. But you online, you know, most of us, we, we don't go to the building anymore. I, I've just, I just never invited you to church, and I just, I'm just doing that now. That's all. Take it or leave it. Are you ready to go with Jesus? These, these are all places that Jesus wants to go to. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, Let's go with him, you know, that we may die with him. And the, the next verse, where we'll start next week, says, On his arrival. So they did go. And that's the rest of chapter 11 we'll look at next week. And in, when we get to chapter 12... They, they do go to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the beginning of the week that we call the Passion of Christ. Because he, he is passionate about my soul and your soul and lost souls. And all over the world, the one he loves is sick. Is he into healing? Yes. But he cares more about resurrection. Let's go with him. Come on, disciples. Let's go with him. Just want to thank you, Heavenly Father, for this opportunity again to look into your word. Uh, thank you for the, the thrill it is, you know, to know you through it. Thank you for the way your spirit speaks to our hearts, God. Thank you, thank you for our church, Lord. Thank you for each and every person. Thank you for the safety we have known. And I pray that it continues. I pray that you bless us as we respond to your word. Help us. We need you, Lord. We need you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for that, Chris. Again, I'm sure each one of us, you know, we need to listen to the word um, and not just let it go in one ear and out the other, but, you know, ask God what he wants us to change or um, you know, what impression those scriptures and Chris's teaching have made on our hearts today. So back to the worship team.
Well, that concludes our service for today. Um, I believe the notices are basically, um, if you want to meet with Chris, I believe he's still quite happy, you know, to uh, meet up with you or have a prayer time at the church. Um, if you just get in contact with him, either call in the mission um, or um, sending him a email and he'll get back to you. Um, and the only other notice is there's still room, um, from what I know of at this moment, um, for spaces to join us on a Sunday morning for a shortened version of church. Um, if you'd like to be part of that, let Chris know through the week. And um, yeah, I think we can have almost up to 30 people. So yeah, it's a good time. Um, I believe that's it. So I just, I just wanted to finish with this. Um, I just felt like God was saying a little bit more grace, you know. I just want to say, um, treat grace as a spice and sprinkle it liberally over every situation in your life. Grace and mercy, um, you know, because God pours out his grace and mercy on us every day of our lives. And we need to remember that um, when dealing with other people in our lives. Um, I, I forget, you know, and have to be reminded constantly to be more gracious and more merciful, um, more forgiving. Don't hold on to anything, you know, don't hold on to anything. Let bitterness take root. Um, you know, God says that others will know that we're Christians um, by our love for each other. And um, I think that's really important for people to see that. Um, not only in our church, but for those that look at us. Um, so that we show and shine Christ. So thank you, Lord, for today, for the service today, for your word, um, for the time of singing together and praying together and being together and um, talking together. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness, and we pray that you would continue to fill us with your spirit, Lord. Um, give us all that we need um, to walk, each one of us, on our own journeys um, in this life, in this week, um, we just thank you, Lord, for who you are and for what you mean to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you this week. Bye.